0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of practicing your faith. One person said, when does the service
1: begin? Whispering to a visitor, someone sitting beside him at a Quaker's meeting. Sir, service begins just after the meeting ends. As you walk out of here, was the reply. Being used at his direction. There can't be anything better.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What's the value of knowledge without the practice of love? Well, according to the Apostle Paul, not very much. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his examination of the Epistle to the Romans, he points out how important it is for the Christian to put his faith into practice and with the proper attitude. Let's join him in chapter 12 for today's Simple Truth study, The Believer's Call to Serve.
1: Paul has um, come to the end of the first two major sections of Romans, as you know, and now he begins to deal with the practical section of the epistle. The doctrinal section focuses on faith, chapter 1 through 8, the justification of the believer by believing in the provisions of Jesus Christ that the Father has provided. The national or prophetical section focuses on hope, Chapter 9, 10, and 11, the past election of Israel, the present rejection of the gospel by Israel, and the future restoration of the remnant of Israel. And now the practical section focuses on love, chapter 12 through 16. So you have faith, hope, and love. This is a subjugation of one's life to be lived out for God as an instrument of His love. That's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. If we're not being used as instruments of love, it makes no difference how much knowledge I have. doesn't make any difference what I do or what I say. And so Paul presents his plea to the believer to live out their Christianity in view of all that God has done for them in three ways. Let me read here these verses. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another." Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches on teaching, he who exhorts on exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And so the three ways that Paul presents his plea for the believer to live out his Christianity In view of all that God has done, is as follows. First, the believers to serve by dedicating his life to God. Verse 1 and 2. Dedicating his life to God. Secondly, the believers to serve by walking in humility before God. Verse 3 through 5. And then thirdly, the believers to serve according to the gifts of God. Verse 6 through 8. Let's begin. The believers to serve by dedicating his life to God. Look at verse 1. The request is to serve here. And Paul the Apostle requests this by a loving plea. Notice, not a forceful obligation. Take note of that. Listen to the words. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. It is our response to him for all he's done, and because he loved us, we respond in love to him. If you have the sense that it's a duty to come to church or a duty to serve God, you've got the wrong perspective. Something is wrong with your relationship with God. The humility of Paul is evident by the words beseeched there, called to one side. Now, he could have commanded all of them. I, the apostle, command you. He did not. He begs them and treats them as a believer affectionately, out of love, concerned for their Christian witness at Rome. The first thing that you and I should be concerned is our witness wherever we go. That's the first thing. Notice the personal pronouns emphatic. You, every believer, whether they were Jew or Gentile. We've had the tension of Jew and Gentile. The first 11 chapters. Doesn't make any difference. The request is a view of what God has done. Notice one word. Therefore. The word therefore looks back to what the apostle has stated in the first 11 chapters. The word, therefore, could be in conclusion, in view of the facts, consequently, all that has been said, all that has been provided. That God has justified them by faith in Christ Jesus, sanctified them, empowered them to live the life that he is asking them to yield to by the power of the Spirit of God. The individual being addressed, notice, is very, very succinct. He's called a brethren. Adelphus, indicating one born of the same parents or even just one. Now, that's a literal application of an earthly parent. Here it's used in a spiritual sense in terms of those who have believed in Jesus Christ as righteousness and they have been born again into the family of God. Therefore, we are brothers, we are sisters in Christ Jesus. And sometimes closer than our natural family at times. Certainly in the first apostolic age, they were persecuted, they were killed by their own families different things, and history has also tested us out. Now, notice the request of the Apostle Paul is for the believer to live out what God has enabled them to do, never what he has not enabled you, but what he has enabled you. The request of Paul is based on the mercies of God. Listen closely. By the mercies of God. The word is in the plural. Mercies, which means pities, compassion. This is the heart of God. The mercies of God are said to be great, sure new every morning tender abundant and so many other things in the scriptures mercy is less than we deserve grace is what we don't deserve law is what we deserve he gave us grace and mercy the mercy of god is the reason also here to obey the request since they had received salvation by grace in Christ by his mercy he said this in Romans 11:31 and 32 Justification of the sinner, sanctification of the sinner, the absence of condemnation of the sinner by the work and the Spirit of God, empowering them to live out and to overcome sin nature. In view of all that, then He has enabled us. Now, the request of Paul, notice, is to present their bodies being spiritually alive. That you present your bodies as a living. Sacrifice The responsibility falls on each believer to present their body. You're not responsible for anyone else. you're responsible for your body, and that means your life and your physical being. The word "present" simply means to be at hand, to have at one's disposal. It is used at the presentation of Jesus at his dedication in the temple in Luke 2:22. The error is "active" indicate a daily basis. The word was used by Paul of the believers to present and yield their physical members as we read in Romans six, thirteen, and 19. To present them. Before we presented our body and our members to do all kinds of things and to be involved in different things. Now we present our entire body so that we're, it's an instrument of God. A whole different thing. The physical body is amoral. It's not evil. It's not good in and of itself. It's simply an instrument. Sin nature uses my body to manifest sin and sins. That's where we used to live. We were slaves of sin. Now my, my, my body under control and under the power and the influence of divine nature enables me not to live for sin. I still have sin nature and I can fail. And when I do, I have an advocate for the defense, the Lord of the defense, Jesus Christ the righteous in 1 John 2, 2. Except he's a lawyer that only takes guilty pleas. If you're guilty, you agree, he gets you off. If you try to plea bargain or say you're not, in, you're not guilty, he doesn't even listen to you. So he's given us a way by which we can maintain fellowship when we've missed the mark, the exception. We don't live in sin as a rule any longer because he has enabled us. The Bible says our body is the temple of God. We're not our own. We bought with a prize in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And so as I presented my body before for my own pleasure, for my own things, my own choosing, now I realize that my body is the temple of God and I present it to him, honoring him. The presentation notice a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice in contrast to the Old Testament sacrifice that were presented there and slain. After the inspection of the priest, they slew the animal and they laid it across the altar and they put the blood on the horns. A living sacrifice is what I'm required to do. If I went out to the parking lot and walked my wife out and somebody assaulted my wife and I tried to defend her and they kill me to lay down my life for her, that's easy. What's hard is denying myself or my wife every day for the rest of my life. And so I have to present my body a living sacrifice, denying myself to sin nature every day. You understand? Notice the request of Paul has a specific standard for presenting this living sacrifice. Holy, except unto God, which is your reasonable service. It must be holy, which means to be set apart unto God confirming the living sacrifice. That's why we're alive, because God has forgiven us of sin. It must be acceptable, which means fully agreeable, satisfactory, or well-pleasing. The person who is justified is acceptable before God, not because of who they are or what they've done, but because they've trusted the grace and the provisions of the Son by the Father. The person who is presenting his body daily as a living sacrifice is then acceptable to God. They're in fellowship with God. Notice the request of Paul is for fitting service. It is reasonable and a spiritual thing to present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice in view of what all that God has done for us. It's a response. Using the brain that God has given to us now that we're alive looking at all the facts, this is the only conclusion we can come to. If you don't come to that conclusion, something is wrong as a believer. This is the only conclusion. It is reasonable in view of who we are in Christ. Are you ready for it? You're a child of God. We used to be children of the devil. Now we're children of God. The word reasonable means spiritually, spiritually, Rational And service, Latria, it's use of worship towards God. And the temple service five times in the New Testament. It's a service that we provide, a spiritual service. In fact, Christ has made us kings and priests to God. Revelation 1, 6 says, It's the least we can do for him in view of all that he has done for us. The least, not the most. is the least we can do for him. Now notice verse 2. The request of the apostle Paul has two goals in mind to ensure the living sacrifice. Paul commanded the believer to keep himself from being like the world. This is the negative. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. The word conformed means to be fashioned oneself outwardly. After a pattern. It's the imperative present tense. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. Literally, Paul says, Stop assuming an outward expression and pattern of the world. Who is he talking to? Christians. You don't tell somebody, Stop, if they're already stopped. In other words, some were not. They were still fashioning themselves after the world. And sometimes from the church or the pulpit or Christians, they say, Oh, no, Christians... Listen, Christians are jerks sometimes. Christians lie. Christians do dumb things because they fashion themselves after the worldly system outwardly. They're carnal. Self-will. Now the pattern or likeness is to the world known as aeon. The evil fallen system of man. Satan is the evil one who influences every person born into this world. There's no exception. He's called the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4.4. His angels, like him, can be transformed into angels of light to deceive people, 2 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15. He is going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, 1 Peter 5.8. He's an imposter. He's not the lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed. He's an imposter. He holds men captive at his will and to do his will 2nd Timothy two twenty six. you and I are a perfect example of that we know who we were before Christ and we were slaves to whatever it was we were into man sinful man is also evil by nature we are all the children of wrath, walking according to the course of the world according to the prince and the power of the area Ephesians 2 2 said there are three things that will try and make you compromise the world Satan and your flesh the Trinity of Darkness. The believer is commanded to stop loving the world in 1 John 2 15 through 16. Once again, all the commands are always to believers. The believer has a potential to be conformed, to be disobedient, to be carnal. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. The J.B. Phillips translation of 1 Corinthians 7 31 says, having the lightest touch with the world. We live in the world, but not of the world. I enjoy the world today more than ever before since I was born again. God's creation, what he gave to me, but I don't abuse it anymore. And I know what I can allow to do, what I'm not allowed to do. I know what I want to involve that is beneficial, what is not. So I'm discreet about what I do because there's a moral, there's, 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 immorality, there's, there's morality, there's ethics, there's unethical things. And so even though the law may say this is legal, it may not always be moral and ethical. The law says you can have an abortion but I can't be part of that because it's immoral and unethical and it's unbiblical, right? So my standards are not those of the world. My standards are dictated by the word of God. Now, notice Paul commanded the believer to keep himself transformed daily in the image of Jesus Christ. This is the positive. Now, the negative will result in the positive, but now he focused on the positive. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so the daily goal is stated by the word "transform." Which means an outward expression, listen, of the inward reality. Another imperative in the present tense, not a suggestion. Because you have been born again and God has changed your heart from the inside, there are manifestations that change on the outside. You don't get prettier. You don't get taller. You know, you don't get more hair if you're bald. You're the same outside, but the change inside now manifests different. It's always amazing to me to see people how their face changes when they come to the Lord. There's such peace, contentment, joy. You know how we are. a goaler. we get, we get funky. Good morning. What's so good about the morning? Nothing. Bad morning. Why do you say bad morning? It doesn't matter what you say. And that's your wife and husband when you get up. <laughs> we get our word metamorphosis from it. Caterpillar to a butterfly. From the inside out. The work of God. The word is used of Jesus as he was transformed Transfigured in the Mount of Transfiguration. Matthew 17, to his face, shine. He's in a glorified state. Now, the believer is a channel of God to be transformed from glory to glory by the Spirit of God. The Bible tells that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Every day, he's working on me. He's like a, an artist with, with a, his chisel and his hammer, you know, chipping away at that rock. He sees the image there, and he's just chipping away the parts that aren't part of that thing he has in his mind. God is working on me. I'm under construction. I've been under construction for 36 years. He's not done yet. But I'm a lot further along than I was 36 years ago. The daily process is stated by the phrase, by the renewing of your mind. This is how it is fulfilled. The word renew means to renovate. A complete change for the better. That when you renovate a house, you change it around completely, whatever you're going to do. And it's for the better. But not by the work of of our own flesh or of righteousness, but by the regenerating work of the Spirit of God, Titus 3, 5 says. He does that work. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6. Are you around the church? Then you'll hunger for the things of God. Are you in the Word of God? Then you'll hunger more for the Word and the knowledge of God. Are you in the service of God? Then you'll crave more of that. You understand? Wherewithal will a young man cleanse his way? In my heart have I hid your word that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11. Hide his word in my heart. Because my heart is desperately wicked. Deceitful, Jeremiah 79 says. Notice the request of the apostle Paul has a spiritual purpose in mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. That the believer may prove what is the good will of God. The word prove simply means for the purpose of approving That which God has declared to be the will of God. If you do not know the word of God, then your standards are going to be drawn from the world. Your own opinion, your own morality, your own ethic, your own culture. The standards are in the word of God. Also that the believer may prove the acceptable notice will of God. The word acceptable means that which is pleasing to God. Not to me. Again, only the scripture mind is able to judge what is acceptable to God. There are a lot of people that, that, that have that say they're Christians and they have a, seem to have a lot of freedoms that really are, are are questionable. And 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 how is it they can have them? Because they're not in the Word of God. They're not in church. And so they've made an altar call somewhere or they go sporadically to church and they really don't study. And, and, and so they just, they're, they're living on what they think is okay. And also that the believer may prove the perfect will of God. Notice that. The word perfect means that which is brought to its end, finished, wanting nothing necessary to completeness. To be in step with God. Having the leading of God, the prompting of God, serving the Lord, being used at His direction. There can't be anything better. Serving Him, being on target with Him. One person said, When does the service begin? whispering to a visitor, someone sitting beside him at a Quaker's meeting, Sir. Service begins just after the meeting ends, was the reply. As you walk out of here, the believer starts as a babe drinking milk, but he must move on to solid food. 1 Peter 2 1 through 5 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, he's talking to Christians, they still have the potential. Desiring the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone. Rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifice, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Milk is good when you're a baby, but you have to move on. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food belongs to those who are of good full age, maturity. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. As you grow and you try and you discern what's good and evil, you get stronger. You mature. You develop. The believer is to bring every thought into captivity, to the obedience of Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Because we are in a warfare. And things will pull me. The world will pull me. The flesh will pull me. The friends will pull me. Satan will pull me. And i got to say, well, what does the word of God say about this? If those things take me well, I have to bring my thoughts in captivity. I have to do that every time when I'm driving down the street or I'm going somewhere. Lord, just you know, so many distractions, so many things. Now the believer, notice, cannot afford to not be renewed daily. Ephesians four twenty one through twenty four says, "If indeed you have heard him, who have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off." concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you may put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Who's he talking to? The believer. He warns the believer. It grieves me when I hear of someone who has left the church and I find out later they they're not walking with God anymore. Now, it doesn't mean because you don't come here, you fall apart. That's not what I'm saying. But it grieves me when someone leaves, and then I find out they're not walking. And they get divorced, or, you know, their kids go back in the world because the parents compromise. They don't hold a standard anymore. Colossians 3.8 through 10 says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these. Listen to him. He's talking to Christians. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Paul is saying stop it because it was happening. The believer has the mind of Christ but the believer has to put it on. What mind is that? The mind of a servant. 1 Corinthians 6, 16, You have the mind of Christ or 2.16 Philippians 2.5 Put it on. The mind of Christ servant the believer is to serve by dedicating his life to god
0: no exception pastor xavier Rees and more simple truths drawn from our study series of romans and the importance of living out your faith now if you'd like a copy of today's study on cd ask for the believer's call to serve we have them available for only four dollars and this CD contains the complete message as it was originally delivered but didn't have time to include on the air. Once again, the title to ask for is The Believer's Call to Serve, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485.